Hey everyone, we are at the very end of a season, and so I want to take this opportunity to remind you what's coming up next. Uh, immediately after this episode, we're taking a break and talking about the book Desperation, again by Stephen King. Uh, and then we're going to do kind of a bunch of the comics, uh, Dark Tower comics, and then the Wind in the Keyhole, kind of the continuing adventures of young Roland. Uh, if you want to buy those, if you want to catch up, either uh, in physical format, ebook format, or listening um, in audiobooks, uh, consider going to duckfeed.tv slash tipjar and using the Amazon link there. You can get a hold of all of these on there, uh, even those comics in trade paperback. They're reasonably priced. Uh, and when you buy through that link, we get a small cut of the proceeds of whatever you buy. Uh, makes a big difference for us and just want to put that in your ear. Once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash tipjar. Now let's talk about the end of this book. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, the podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross, and today I am joined by Autumn Greer. Delighted as always. And by Jeremy Greer. I'm delighted sometimes to be here. <laughs> oh, it's always delightful to have either of you, and it's especially delightful to have both of you. Um, we're getting the double Greer experience here as we finish out Wizard and Glass. Yeah, I heard I heard some of your previous guests talking some smack about Greers on this podcast. I'm here to talk some smack back. I don't remember who it was, which I think is all the smack that I need to say. So. Oh, oh, okay. There. Oh. oh, you're just brushing them off the shoulder is what it is. Wow. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, well, that's cool. This is a this is a crazy section of the book, and both of you both of you signed up for this one like right away. It, this is probably it's... my favorite section of of this book. Autumn, I I think absolutely as well. I mean the the Ridland was a little bit of fun at the beginning. You know, it, it's so funny if you read the beginning section and the this section right here i mean it's almost like that horrible tragedy where roland lost his first love you can just pretend that you know <laughs> everything's been pretty okay you know we just took a break told a campfire story we're back on the road yep here we go we're off this we're off to see the wizard um <laughs> yeah. literally and figuratively yes uh we're yeah. off we're off to see the flag the sorcerer the nerlathotep yeah <laughs> um so let's let's jump into it because stuff is about to get weird. You know, we've been we've been comfortable. We've been nice and comfortable with the horrible things happening in Hambry. Um and snapping back to Topeka, Kansas, uh, in the middle of the Captain Trips plague is a little bit of a it's a little, little bit of whiplash, I would say. Absolutely. I think it I think it was for Roland too. I, I, <laughs> I tell you, my my favorite thing is how this section of the the book opens up with Roland doing that, um, you know, like that 1980s flash dance stripper thing where you pull the rope and the bucket of water falls on you. Like Roland just pours <laughs> that water skin up all over his face. Everybody's watching him. There's steam. Yeah. It, it might as well be a bottle of champagne in a rap video. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just a very erotic section of the book. Again, if you ignore the part where he just lost his love and we yeah. just finished, you know. Uh, a storytelling so raw that it changed time. <laughs> yep. There's a there's a line in, in the description of that where um, it says his the water is pooling in the hollow at the bottom of his throat, and I just I, I'm just like the, I was reading it today to kind of just brush myself up for the podcast and thinking like how far is this dude's head back? 
Like, that's got to be like a, that's a severe angle. That is like how far? What are you doing, Nick Roland? <laughs> like, I, I, are you is, are you okay? Do you need a brace? I, th- I think I think Roland's uh, waterboarding himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he feels he, uh, he feels very that, bad about what happened. <laughs> that that that's one way to look at it. I prefer to think of it as like you know that movie, The Sandlot, when the lifeguard gets out of the water. You know, uh, and, you know, just the time slows down. Roland's pouring that water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cute, cute, cute Dreamweaver, yeah. Autumn, Autumn, I'm getting a little bit jealous. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> so the flashback of Roland's first adventure in Magus ended uh, with you know Roland, Elaine, and Cuthbert uh, kind of routing the big coffin hunters, stopping the conspiracy, thwarting John Farson, the good man. Um, everything is great except oh no, Susan was burned at the stake in the ritual of Char Utria led by Rhea, um, and the boys have fled Hambry. And Roland is kind of catatonic, having looked into the glass, having looked into uh, Marilyn's grapefruit. Um, and we're going to see some of that aftermath as the uh, as the tale ends, as Roland just he just he just cracks open a Pepsi, <laughs> cracks open a nozzle, yeah, a um, nice cold nozzle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, establishes that, yes, this is Kansas. Nobody feels like it's been days or hours or anything. Uh, Roland, all that Roland is sure of is a night has passed. And this is a similar kind of time dilation that we saw, um, you know, like when Walter, yeah, Walter, it's so hard to keep them straight when Walter was doing his little tale telling as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked the, the way that he, or the way that it was written where, you know, Susanna kind of wakes up from, you know, this long tale and she's expecting her lower back to hurt and it doesn't. Eddie starts thinking about drugs, which, you know, that's just Eddie. <laughs> well, it's just Eddie re- um, reasserting himself. It's it's very it, comforting to come back to Junkie Tales. Yeah. And, and then um, Jake starts thinking about his dad. Like, it's like they all start to remember the stuff that they, they've been so engrossed in Roland's Tale, and they start to remember the stuff from, from their world. And I guess, I don't know, I guess Oi thinks about, like, like getting a piece of cheese or some begging strips or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> I assume he's not a point of view character for us right here. Yeah. Oh man. That's a shame. We never got one of those. Like we did with uh, the Kojak chapter in the stand. I, I have to imagine that Oi would be one of the few animals that could tell that the begging strips were not bacon, mm. you know? Yeah. He, he would, he, he would know that Conestogo wagon wasn't inside the, uh, wasn't inside the cabinet. Yeah, exactly. That's a different kind of dog food, isn't it? Did I mess that up? Oh, I, I have no idea. Now I'm just thinking about the Family Guy episode, so. Oh, shit. Yeah, not again, or whatever yeah. he says. Yeah. Well, I'll get you next time. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Susan, Susan, uh, Susanna, sorry, it's going to be very hard not to keep saying Susan. Uh, Susanna and Eddie, they, you know, go off to, you know, relieve themselves. And I love this little passage here. Like, you know, Susanna's like, oh, my gosh, I was really, really worried that the story he was going to tell was like, oh, yeah, I killed Susan. Um, and you know, she's relieved, but Eddie fires back and says, uh, but he thinks that's what he did. Don't you understand that? Roland is like part of the reason he has been so tortured is because he does hold himself responsible for, you know, what he later calls, uh, like as like hubris or something like that. I didn't write it actually. I didn't write it down, but like that is Eddie's insight into, into kind of Roland's state of mind about this. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, Roland is is taking all of the like Roland is wont to do. He's taking all of this on, on himself. Right, like he's going to blame himself for everything that happened to Susan, and everything that will eventually happen to uh, Keith, Bert, and Elaine as well. Yes, 
Yeah. Um, and this begins something that is a little bit of a bugbear about this section for me is that King left a lot of stuff unresolved in the main, like in the, in the, in the main portion of this book in the flash in the, in the flashback. And he, instead of kind of like leaving that kind of open or answering it later, a lot of what we get in these next five chapters, I think it's, they're very short chapters. Don't worry. This isn't going to be like a five hour long episode. Um, but what we get is kind of this accounting, right. Of a, how does Roland know all of this? Well, he says like, yeah, I looked into the ball three times. Uh, and one time I learned the entire story, even the parts that I wasn't present for. That's exactly what I would say to somebody if I had definitely looked into the ball four times. I'm like, oh, it's definitely real specifically only three times. I want to I want to be real upfront about that. Yeah. It definitely was was not four times. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like that advice you get. If, you, if your doctor asks uh, how much you drink, you don't say two drinks a night because that's a, you know, they'll know you're lying. So you just say I drink socially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> luckily my dogs are real social (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) for sure uh you know and roland like he 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 splits hairs about about where he was at during all of this like he says i wasn't i wasn't inside the ball because i would not have come back he was catatonic they couldn't pull the ball from his hands and they definitely couldn't make roland respond they being cuthbert and elaine um but you know his the way he hand waves around this is like a any world would have been preferable to the one where I just watched Susan die. Yeah, I like this a lot because uh, the um, he 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 makes this distinction now because it, later he's going to say that the 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 ball waited for him to heal a little bit, mm-hmm. waited for him to be in a state where he could handle it, so that it could crush him all over again, which adds a sense of like this this wizard's ball, this wizard's blast has been very malevolent since the very beginning of the of this book, mm-hmm. but that kind of calculation of this thing like giving it almost a conscience like it's going to specifically set out to ruin roland because he's he is you know roland of gilead and can pose a threat to presumably what this ball wants i guess mm-hmm. like I, it's weird to think that a that an orb wants something but you know i'll hail the orb i guess <laughs> uh but it, it, it makes it made me a little bit more terrified than even all of the things leading up to this did uh, specifically of the orb right it's is not a mindless hunger I love that they had to have like an intervention with Roland to get the ball away from him. Like they, I like I picture the conversation. We're going to sit him down in the room. You know, we're going to like uh, Elaine and Cuthbert. But like, I mean, it had to be just like um, A and E's like intervention Gilead or something. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> we just want you to get better, Roland. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, that that's kind of exactly what happened because you know they got back. They had their uh, they had their big banquet. You know, the, to welcome them, they, you know, there's the celebration of what they accomplished when they were out there. And that was kind of the deadline. That was the ultimatum. Um, Alan and, C- and Cuthbert pretty much said, like, yep, we're going to take it with you. <laughs> we're going to go with you and we're going to take this to your dad because otherwise, left to your own, you, you're going to keep it yourself. Um, one of the other times that Roland looked into it, he's uh, he revealed a plot. Uh, he revealed kind of this, this assassination plot to take down um, to take down his dad. Uh, one of Farson's nephews uh, was, you know, bringing a poison knife into Gilead um, and it was passed to one of the um, housekeeping staff on its way to the person who would eventually assassinate the king, who would eventually, the king, the Din, assassinate, you know, Stephen Deshane. And, you know, like, <laughs> that was another way that they were able to, uh, you know, put another feather in their cap 
um, as they gave this ball back, right? It really highlights the, I mean, because later in this, we'll see some conversations that Roland has with with his quartet talking about um, how he loves them, how he's willing to make some changes. But it really shows you right here that even after everything with Susan, he hasn't really learned anything. Like we open up the whole series with him having become a gunslinger by taking matters into his own hands not thinking, just acting type of thing. And even with this, I mean, he's got the best friends in the world and he's like, no, I'm going to handle this murder plot all on my own, <laughs> uh, really aggressively, directly, um, with some some repercussions that we'll discuss later. Um, yeah. he, he hasn't really learned a lot here, and I think it highlights how much he learns with his new quartet. Yes. Uh, Roland is still at this point incredibly selfish. I mean, he's he's also still incredibly fourteen years old, which <laughs> yeah, is true. I think something to something to to always keep in the in the in your back pocket when you're talking about you know all of the things that happen with this. And Stephen King skews these characters way too young for my for my taste in general, especially coming back as somebody in his early thirties, as everyone obviously knows. Uh, definitely not late thirties. <clears throat> um, but it's it's it definitely shows that like it shows that he's still amateurish at best at, at being a gunslinger, especially when there's matters of the heart involved. Like he hasn't shut down that, that emotional aspect to his life. He hasn't like imprisoned that in the, in the, in the gunslinger steel, if you will. Yeah. Autumn, you, you said something earlier about like you, you were about how it took an intervention to, for them to get the ball back. And I'm just, it made me think, and that's why I was kind of quiet when you, you were talking about that. Uh, how many interventions have, has Roland had in this series so far? Cause I feel like this is like the sixth or seventh that we know about. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's been like, they had to hit him to get him to stop, you know, being all daydreamy about Susan. Uh, like didn't Eddie have to get an intervention so that he, you know, gets, takes medicine or something like way, way back in the yeah. drawing of the three. Like he's had, he's had a lot of people tell him like, you have <laughs> yeah. to stop behaving the way that you're behaving right now. Well, his dad kicked the shit out of them in that brothel. <laughs> the dad, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Court obviously taught him, taught the dude a few lessons. Yeah. You know, via sticks on heads. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. (laughs) Some people only hear certain languages, you know? Um, Yeah. And Roland definitely has to, has to take some knocks to kind of uh, correct his, uh, correct his steering. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't thought about that. This wouldn't be the, this one to get the ball, the ball out isn't the first chronologically, but by, by, by 14 to have this many like straight up and fly rights is, uh, is, 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 is quite a bit. Hey, hey, Roland just can't hear the haters. The slinger's going to sling. True. <laughs> haters um, to the left of me, wizards to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you, Dark Tower. <laughs> stuck in mid world with you. You, my beautiful, beautiful ball. <laughs> Stuck in midworld with you. Come on, who's got a guitar? Let's let's make this happen. Dan-ay, we can do it right Dan-ay-ay. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, ooh, cause like a Steeler's wheel. There you go. I yeah. love it. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, the reason why Roland kind of takes this assassination plot on on his on his own is because of what he saw when he looked in the ball the last time and. When Jake, I think, asks him like, "Hey, what happened the last time?" Like Roland can't get it out. Like he just, uh, it is, it is way too torturous. And he says, maybe later, if ever. Um, so the story is left partially untold for now, at least. And that's part of the big reveal at the end, you know, about the, the final tragedy that Roland has, uh, has, has suffered. 
you know, we we did get the only information that I really needed after this this long interview or interlude in the the middle, which is that Cordelia died of shame, and that's all that I ever really wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a perfect little ending to that to that chick's life. Let me tell you, Whew, Cordelia, uh, uh, just such a such a villainous person. Like you can't help but feel. I mean, okay, you, I couldn't help but feel a little sorry for her, given how rapid her state of decay was. But like, no, you did a lot of terrible stuff. I mean, like she died of shame. She had a stroke during the Charu tree. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, and, and nothing of value is lost. For. I don't have a lot of sympathy for. Like that's 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 kind of where I, 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 where, I, where I, especially when it comes to people like continually doing bad things that hurt themselves. Like yeah. very empathetic. I, I just but like you're doing this to yourself. I have no sympathy. Yeah, I talked over you a little bit, but you made the distinction between like, oh, you don't feel um, sympathy for her, but you feel empathy. Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure that gets out, so so the, the cogency of your point isn't lost. And I just feel extremely grateful to to Stephen King here because, you know, one of the difficult things is as a reader, as being a mature reader and, you know, following the author where he takes you, it might not always be the outcome that you want. But, mm -hmm. Stephen, that is exactly what Autumn wanted. Yep. <laughs> just, just literally saying that it was shame. Yep. Perfect. Ring that bell. I am happy. Yeah. At least she at least she understood at the end what yeah. uh, what, what what she did. Um, while we're taking account of those people, Clay Reynolds, uh, one third of the big coffin hunters got away with Coral Thorin. Uh, Coral ends up kind of shacking up with him, uh, since Jonas is, 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 uh, done for. And the picture that or that, uh, sorry, <laughs> that Stephen King kind of paints is that they kind of formed this Bonnie and Clyde kind of unit. Like they were together and they were pulling all these jobs until they were finally gunned down, uh, in a town called Oakley. Oakley represent. That's the, that's where I live in Cincinnati. Nice. Yeah. Do you do you guys regularly hang uh, bank robbers and and hoss thieves in Oakley, or is that just a Stephen King thing? No, there's more of like we have, we've got a lot of Annie Oakley like murals and stuff painted around. Ah, yeah. Gotcha. Nice. This uh this this story about uh, Reynolds and Coral really made me think that it was a reference to something. I remember reading this, you know, even when it first came out, and thinking like, oh, this is. Stephen King is making a, like an oblique reference to a Western movie that I haven't seen because this, this feels very much like uh, Tombstone or, you know, the seven, <laughs> I almost said seven samurai, but uh, what is the, the Western? Mag Magnificent Seven. Thank you. Magnificent Seven. But it feels very much like a, a like a straight up reference that I just that just went over the top of my head. The straight up Magnificent Seven reference comes later. That's the next book. Yeah, the entire. That's true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not the next book. The next book chronologically. Ah, yeah. Um, anyway, that's the Wolves of the Cala. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just assumed it was like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. Like the, mm -hmm. the way they described like, oh, the, the street became a killing floor. Like the, 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 the sheriff trapped them and pinned them in and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Sheeny makes good. Yeah. He, he got to be like a, like a, a squire, right? Mm-hmm. It's riding along with him on his trusty steed. Uh, uh, what? Cappy, uh, Capricosa. There we go. <laughs> I'm curious if uh, there's been because I caught up with the podcast um, just with the holidays. I, we 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 did not have time to listen to podcasts over the holidays. Oh, we yeah. had we were way too busy. But uh, I caught up with them over the last week because I knew we were finishing the book and I wanted to make sure that I had I'd heard everything that you guys have been saying. And there's there was some kind of back and forth on Shimi about whether or not it was one of Stephen King's kind of you know normal a disabled slash 
childlike figure that has, you know, preposterous powers or, or whatever. I'm kind of curious, because uh, for me, I think Shimi comes off as, as extremely good. Like, he's just a genuinely good person, and he's not ever really used as a deus ex machina. Like, I think that some of the other characters in Stephen King novels are... are I just want to get your opinion on that. Like, where, where are you at on Shimi? Because I, him being, like, a squire to these gunslingers, I think, is, like, the best ending possible. I'm sure that it didn't end well for him, but it's, it's, it made me so happy to read this, that they had that Shimi had that moment in his life to be, like, riding with the gunslingers, I thought would be was really, really special and great. Yeah, they're friends. I mean, he got to hang out with his friends and go on adventures. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. No. It's, sure. his, it's his very best friend. Uh, uh, what's it? All good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget Cuthbert's fake first name. Um, yeah. It's a shame because that is a really good ending. This gets retconned as shit. Um, <laughs> so when we start talking about the comics, Shimi is going to factor in. Um, and this aspect of the story where Shimi kind of lives out his days in, in Gilead, you know, serving as best friends until things go really bad, that uh, th- that is not to be. Oh, really? That's disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. really excited about it. I was actually, because you had mentioned that, you know, the comics explore some of this stuff that we don't actually get to hear about in the book. So I was really excited to see more Shimi. And now, yeah. now I'm trepidatious to, to, to find out more about, more about sympathy, about Shibi. Yeah. Oh, my God. Shimi. I cannot speak tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the the, the Katat are, are Katat Prime, the first, not the first Katat. Man, this is so confusing. Uh, Roland and Susanna and Eddie and the others, they're traveling, you know, they're still turnpiking. They're walking. The thinny is so bad that the bullets don't even stop the sound. Like just this, this, this picture of them walking and weeping uncontrollably as this thing just claws at their sinuses is, uh, is, is very distressing. This is kind of a weepy section. Uh, there was a moment right before the thinny started acting up and and working its not good magic on them, where where Jake came over and gave Roland that good hug that oh. almost made Roland totally oh, lose it. That good good. I'm hug. sorry you lost your friend. Is what Jake, like little ten year old Jake, says it to this old man. Oh my god, that's, <laughs> that's that's a knife to the heart, Jake. What are you doing? You know exactly what you're doing, you little tiny little gunslinger. You. It's, it's not <laughs> your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah it just uh, the, the the way that they said that like it uh, was eddie observing saying like oh it just it had been a very long time between hugs yeah, oh. Oh. yeah. now we're all bummed out it's too real <laughs> just, <laughs> hugs are great this i don't a... want to see a precocious child around for a couple days okay oh no, no oh man stay stay away from uh i don't want any hugs yeah Stay away from like Wes Anderson movie sets. I think would be the would be the place I would say to stay away from if if you can't see preco- precocious children. Um, oh, actually, Moonrise autom- Kingdom might be the only thing that would make me feel better after seeing Jake make Rolling cry with a hug. True, true. Autumn is Autumn openly weeps to that trailer of that new uh, Wes Anderson film with the dog. She's just already crying while the trailer is playing. So I don't think that this is going to be a good idea. It's a, for, it's, a mo- cheer up film. it's a movie about dogs, and you know something bad is going to happen to a dog in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, one of these cars that they pass by has a little note under the wiper and Hey, it mentions Abigail and uh, the dark man off to the West. Um, unless you think they're going to sweep, sweep in and save Larry and the others at the last minute. Nope. That's part of another story. Maybe it's next door to ours, but that is not ours. We are heading East. 
How recently had you read the whole series when you put The Stand right before this? I mean, you just would have to have read The Stand or listened to the podcast about The Stand to get any of this. Like when you were when you were planning this out, was there kind of a template that you used or? Oh, I just went and um, looked at Stephen King's website has a list of Dark Tower connections, like Dark Tower connected works and kind of like bullet pointed lists of what, what it is. I had read the series. I had read the series, and I had read the stand. That I knew that it would be important to understand the stand before we got to this. So that was there wasn't a template. It was just like, oh, there's a lot that's going to be hard to talk about without that context. Well, the the timing is perfect, and these are really satisfying references where you wish someone was sitting next to you so you could elbow them and chill them and be like, look, 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 look. Do you know what that's from? Do you know what that's from? I mean, there. This is a really good fan service. Like, if you're a Dark Tower fan, this is a great fan service section mm-hmm. of the book. We. Yeah. Cordelia died of shame. They're crazy <laughs> shoes. <laughs> you yep. know? We didn't mention it, but the uh, the knife that they were passing along to kill Stephen DeShane is uh, um, lined in poison poison from Eyes of the Dragon. Oh, shit. Uh, You're is, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is another really, really cool reference. I remember, like, all of these – this kind of stuff happening in the Dark Tower. Like, we, we they had kind of winked and nodded at this up until now. Mm-hmm. Like, this kind of crossover between – the you know the SKU I guess is what we can call it, um, <laughs> but the uh, skew yeah I just realized that actually that's actually a word whoops, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but that this kind of crossover and seeing like the stand which is a book that I had read you know tons of times mm-hmm. before while waiting for this book specifically and, yeah. and like seeing these kind of things and I'm just going oh shit what's gonna happen what is what is going on. Well, remember the uh, at the end of the wasteland. Guess who comes in and rescues the TikTok man before everything blows up? You exactly. Know, yeah. I, I, like, I don't know if he calls himself Randall Flagg at that point, but it definitely is an RF, and it's very like it's it's coded. Like he even has he even has TikTok say like my life for you. You know, like it's like oh shit. Yeah, he's um, wearing the button with the pig and the and the is it the pig or the, he's got the belt buckle with the pig. Yeah, the belt buckle with the pig and then the smiley face with the bullet hole. Yeah. He's got um, that cool jean jacket. <laughs> so, you know, the, the 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 final leg, like the final trilogy of this series gets a lot of shit. Uh, you know, possibly rightfully, who knows? It's an accurate observation that, that it gets, you know, very meta and starts pulling a bunch of stuff in. King was fainting toward this pretty hard, even at the end of the wasteland, right? Like in terms of in terms of steering all these different stories in, into each other, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think that we'll see too. I mean, it does become whenever there's a big gap in between something. I mean, there's not a chance that the next book that uh, George R. R. Martin that fans will actually be satisfied with it. I mean, right. anything where you have a long wait before you before you read something, yeah. and then when you have them come out in quick succession, I mean, it's anticipation really um, builds those expectations, and I mean, makes them impossible to meet. Yeah, it um, it's regrettable that that's the way that works. And the, the the right way to do it is to is to do like I did and wait till it was all out. <laughs> Not everybody has that luxury uh, to to be oblivious of a series for so long. Um, it's true. Yeah. So off in the distance, though, with their gunslingers' eyes, they see something in the road. They see six pairs of shoes taking us into the next chapter here. Shoes in the road, and it's not six pairs. It's it's four. One for wait no five. One for each of the uh, humans. And then like a like a, a set of four for Oi. Like little uh little booties. Yeah, little little, little me just boots. Yeah. 
<laughs> but like uh this is this is great they've got a little stylist out there cause a stylist roland gets his uh <laughs> his, his mage's boots um uh eddie gets his kind of uh they're described as beetle boots but i have no idea uh how appropriate those would be for him <laughs> i was trying to picture when i read this what kind of shoes would end up laid out there for me like what the additional pair would be uh, i mean i don't know if i get some some cute heels or if they'd be like some nice like adidas indoor soccer shoes you know that were covered with with rubies mm-hmm. uh, autumn they, they would definitely be ruby red horse boots like you have these boots already <laughs> i've seen you wear them <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like a a, just a a bright red pair of Skechers for me, like just a real casual, like comfortable shoe. Oh yeah, I've you worn I've worn the same Skechers for 15 years now. You know, there I you would go. I would hope that Jeremy, because you had those custom Adidas made that say "Get Good" on the side. Um, I would <laughs> hope this. I did. Wait a minute, what, Jeremy? <laughs> you haven't seen that? I posted those on Twitter at one point. I, I can find a picture for you, Cole. Okay. Send it to you. Okay, I just you, you have Dark Souls joke shoes. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, I mean, it, it's nobody has gotten. Out. I was actually, I think I was wearing them the first night that I met you, Cole, in person oh, yeah? in Austin. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I never pay attention to people's shoes. That's amazing. <laughs> that is very funny. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, if, when this episode comes out, um, if people on Twitter, if you're listening to this, ping me and I'll post a picture of my shoes so you can nice. see them. <laughs> because all God's children have shoes. I, I yep. looked, I looked it up. That's uh, the, the, the name of this section. Uh, all God's Children Got Shoes. It's a reference to, um, I think, uh, Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Um, something like that. It is, is an what... earworm and a half. I find myself thinking all God's children. Like anytime I read this, uh, at least for like 90 days afterwards, it just mm-hmm. pops in my head. All the time. Yeah, I cannot stop. I cannot stop. When I read this today, I was like, all God's Children Got Shoes. Like, yep. I don't know why it just gets in my head and just stops. It has a it rhythm. Stays. It has a rhythm and a melody to it. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> When they when they see the place in the distance, I had noted down that Roland uh, thinks it in his head. He calls it a glitter dome, the glitter dome <laughs> off in the distance. And I'm like, glitter dome? That, that's a term I need to file away to use at some point. Oh, I mean, it's the name of a terrible strip club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, this is a nice place. Wait. This isn't one of your glitter domes, okay? <laughs> Look, honey, I'm looking for the thunder dome. What, I don't know what this place is. <laughs> I did not mean to come here, though. <laughs> I, I was gonna say like 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 twenty dollar bills enter one dollar bills leave. Um, um, on that on that twenty dollar enter one dollar leave tip. Uh, Autumn has a, a fun fact about strip club. Where none of the money ever leaves the strip club, so that all of the bills that you get at the strip club and then use it club just stay there. So they are the most disgusting currency ever made. So enjoy that. That's a that's a, that's an uh, <laughs> an Akewood. I think they yeah. make that point too. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, oh, that, that's that's that exactly where... where I picked it up from. Yep, exactly. Yeah. They they never oh, leave. Okay. I mean, because you roll roll up with your twenties, and then the girls at the end of the night swap them out, or whomever swaps them out at the end of the night for twenties um, again. Yeah. <laughs> singles and, never and, leave. Yeah, and and, the, and the, those singles are used to make change for the drinks and stuff. So they just yeah. keep on rotating, and so uh, so every every single bill ends up getting uh, getting compromised. You know, maybe that's a good idea. The next time um, that I'm in uh, like some sort of establishment that involves singles, maybe I should just look and see who the treasurer was at the time. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, shit, 1964, <laughs> oh, huh? God. How about that? <laughs> it's, it's it's like okay, the end of The Shining, except instead of uh, instead of it's oh, Jack Torrance uh, is all is all rolled up. You know, at that uh, old New Year's Eve party, it's just all these dollar bills have been there since the Woodrow Wilson administration. <laughs> 
Um, oh wow! I, I, Jeremy just sent me a picture a picture of these. Like that's actually like that's that's pretty subtle. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's like, not it's it's not grossly like inappropriate or anything. But yeah, yeah they definitely say get good on the side. So <laughs> enjoy that. I can't believe that you just said um, a pair of Adidas that are orange that say get good on the side are subtle. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably subtle. should. The, the the get good is subtle. It's like in the same color and right in line with the other stuff. I'm pict- I was picturing like almost like uh, an airbrushed set of like Converse All Stars. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not that I picture Jeremy wearing those. It's just when I hear get good shoes, I immediately think the most garish thing possible. <laughs> <laughs> so the glitter dome uh, kind of clarifies as they as they as they get near uh, starts looking like the Emerald Palace from the Wizard of Oz, and that combined with uh these shoes which they decide right now like you know don't uh don't put these on just yet because who knows what kind of terrible things will happen this could be a trap um you know it brings up the wizard of oz and roland feels very left out when everybody starts making references and saying oh well i was scared of the flying monkeys (laughs) roland's crabby about it too like he's kind of sulky it's like and you people make fun of me for calling sandwiches popkins what are you talking about yeah. I explained everything about counting horses, counting thinnies. I explained it all to you, and you guys are just going to gloss over this. Yeah. Secret secrets are no fun, okay? <laughs> Let me in. And so they, they explain it. Uh, and, you know, Roland gets the moral right away. Oh, you know, they, they had everything they were looking for all along. Um, one of them in, in, impersonates the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, doing the cackling. And Roland has like a straight-up Denang flashback, uh, thinking like, oh, my gosh, is that Rhea? This is this is really good. I uh I there's it's very rare that I feel a lot of sympathy for Roland in these books mm-hmm. because most of Roland's life he's kind of brought upon himself, but this scene where he's he's a member of a quartet and everybody knows the in joke but him mm-hmm. uh is is one of my own personal, you know, nightmare situations where you're just in a conversation and everybody is laughing and joking and you don't know what they're talking about at all. Oh, yeah. Roland's got that FOMO. Yeah, he's got that FOMO. Absolutely. <laughs> he, he rolls up on his crew sharing Kef and they're all like, hey, I've never seen an owl like that before. <laughs> um, yeah, it's real bad. Roland's a true millennial in that way. <laughs> and uh, especially because, I mean, I kind of like the way the other characters, I think that, I mean, at first you have to suspend some disbelief because we're in a whole other world where beams exist. I mean, everything like that. I mean, we real magic exists, but I love how um, the characters realize how cheesy it is. Like everyone's like, <laughs> no, like no way. Like, look at this. Can you believe it? I mean, they, the characters are, I think aware of how ridiculous it is that we're doing a direct wizard of Oz. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I and I mean, there's parallels with the characters too. I mean, if you think about it, I guess Wizard of Oz is the the story that most closely parallels this journey. I I, mm-hmm. I have to. Do you think Eddie is probably the scarecrow? Like he's just a little too much, and you want him to stop? Maybe. maybe. Um, I I don't know. It it doesn't map. I mean, obviously, obviously, Oi is Oi is the Tin Man. Um, no, I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I have no idea. We both, who we, both to went si- we both went silent there because we were both like, we're not going to correct Cole if he doesn't think that Oi is Toto. We're just going to Cole go with it. This is yeah. his podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like King is definitely uh, you know, th- th- threading the needle here to a to, to, to a certain extent, right? Um, in terms of in terms of drawing drawing this here, but it very much is like a sense of 
it's almost like double double layers of fucking with us and fucking with fucking with the characters because somebody is 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 obviously taking them for a ride and me as the reader when i was reading this i was like oh that's why it's called wizard they like they are on the road to the, they are on the road to oz except instead of a gold a yellow brick road uh it's i70 um, well, it, and they they drew the tarot cards way back at the beginning of the series, and there was the the man with the literal monkey on his back. So mm-hmm. I thought that was nice that they specifically mentioned the flying monkeys because oh, yeah. I mean, all these characters do have a monkey on their back, effectively, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or have had it at some point. Yeah, this um, when you guys first read this, I know they they do a little bit of the Wizard of Oz stuff at the very beginning, but um, when they lean into it so hard at the back end of this book, were you guys just like? reading this and like thinking in, in your head like what the fuck is going on with this book because i'm having waited for so long for it and for it to go in this direction after this extremely lengthy flashback that i was so happy they were finally done with uh and to have it go this way i was like what i, I don't stephen king what are you doing to me <laughs> when i read it though I, I didn't think it was uncool like somehow it kind of works i mean it really works yeah it works for me. I mean, A, because I didn't have the weight of anticipation for it. Like, it didn't wait seven years like everybody else had to. Um, not to rub that in your in, in your faces again. Um, but um, sure. once, <laughs> once, once I realized that it was Randall Flagg behind this, I realized, oh, like, yeah, that's actually totally in character uh, for, for, for them to a certain extent. Um, or for, for, for him to just kind of, like go to extremely great lengths to mess with people and like it, it's almost like a like an act of cruelty against uh, uh, uh against the members of the cotet who aren't roland or oi right you know so you have jake Susanna, and eddie who all come from the same world at different times but the wizard of oz looms so large in american culture post 1939 that it is this shared touch point that they can all have that is like making them remember where they came from. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's, I think, I think it's worth noting that like, this is um, paired with multiple attempts to get them to stop, to get them to leave, to get them to try to find a way home. Right. Like, Hey, you're going to go to the Emerald palace and you're going to go home. Right. It's never straight up stated that that's what it is, but I could totally see that being, being a part of flags logic. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's that's an interesting point. Like the flag trying to kind of set it up in their heads. Like, okay, you're to the end of the journey. What happens at the end of the journey? Yeah, this is this is a story not just from your own world, but from your own childhood, right? And mm-hmm. uh, don't you miss that an awful lot? Mm-hmm. And and guess what? I brought this cool traveling ball with me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man, R- R- Randy and his magical traveling ball. Yeah, it's a wizard's Uber. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Let me let me see here. There are a couple a couple of notes here. Uh, Roland mishears the word humbug, uh, saying like, "Oh, the like the wizard's a phony. Like he's he's a charlatan. He's a he's a humbug." And Roland calls him a bum hug, which uh, Eddie notices that Jake laughs at that, and Eddie proceeds to run it into the ground. <laughs> it's nice that um, it's nice that there's another child there for Eddie to hang out with. <laughs> you know, you don't want your kids to get lonely, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And also, uh, Susanna's very confused at the notion of uh, the whiz. You know, anybody that hasn't, that I've tried to explain the whiz to that hasn't heard of it before is equally confused, even in our world. Yeah. 
like if like you didn't to see the, it uh, and Star Wars you... holiday special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you just uh, you wouldn't even believe that the Star Wars holiday special like, even exists. You know? No, no. But the Wiz, like, hey, uh, so Michael Jackson. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. They get close to the glitter dome and they see not just you know this kind of amalgamation of the castle from the movie and the castle from their imaginations having read the books and things but they see that there are these yellow pennants uh drawn all around it uh all of which have the red eye drawn on them the sigil of john farson we know from uh the illustration earlier in the book but also you know the sigil the sigil the sigil of the uh the crimson king sorry i keep saying sigil um the, the sigil of the crimson king uh which is going to factor in later we saw that uh we saw that uh previously on a topeka sign you know, say what you will about the Crimson King. He's a good decorator. Yeah. Snappy decorator. He's got a, he's got a real theme. He's got a real cohesion. <laughs> the, the, the pennants really tie the castle together. Of course. You know, <laughs> adds a bit of an auditory element, too, of them whipping in the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite thing with this castle, though, is the, the gate that they come up on. Yeah, the this gate. This is so cool. It's I like, love this. It's like when you're a kid and you went to that dentist that ha- had an aquarium in the in the lobby, just so you could watch and have something to look at while you were worried about getting your tooth drilled. And for some reason, all the fish in the aquarium had teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you has got to feed them something, and you got all these teeth laying around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this, so so this gate is incredibly ornate, and it's a very striking image. That like I was just like, yes, I love this. Has thirteen bars. Uh, and they're all kind of like these tubes that have different colored water or gas. Each of the colors corresponds to one of the bends of the rainbow. Um, and when they look inside, they see creatures. I I picture them as like little sea monkeys, you know, like uh, from far away, they just look like little squiggles. But when you get to the little magnifying things, like did you guys ever have the sea monkeys when you were little? The little brine shrimp? Uh, I, I, mm-hmm. nev- I never had them myself, but I went over to friends and I was like, oh, the art makes them look like little monkeys, and in reality, they're little Cthulhu monsters. Yeah, they're extremely lame. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like they're they're all themed after what they are. Like the one that uh the the one that Jake looks into is like little mermaid people. Um, I think Roland or somebody looks into the pink one, and it looks like the horses on the drop. Yeah, that's that's all really really cool. And like they they talk about the the middle one, Black Thirteen. Not having anything, and then I think it's Jake that says, "But there's probably things swimming in there that you just can't see." Like <laughs> extremely creepy, and it's just a it's just a really nice line. It reminds you of why Stephen King is a horror writer because of lines like that. Yep. The the language in there, that line about that it was probably full of drowned roses, I think was so evocative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because they all have the rose on, on in their mind, right? Like we haven't thought about the rose in a while, but uh, totally a factor still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, like the the black 13, that's the uh, the center bar. It's the one holding all these up and what is it? Like Roland is really really terrified of Eddie touching it, right? Like he goes to reach yeah, for it like no, like it's electrified. But no, it just it's just a lock holding it in place and the way to open it up is to continue the charade to lean into the wizard of Oznus. You know, everybody's scared by everybody in this, and no one stops anyone. Like that moment when Jake taps his little <laughs> Oxfords together, and everybody's like, oh shit. But nobody actually says, like, Jake, no. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh no, it's all going to be bad now. Whoops. 
I think I think they 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 all trust each other, but don't but can't stop themselves from commenting. Is the thing yeah. like it, think back to the beginning of uh, Wasteland when Eddie like just leans his ear up against the gate against every single uh, every single instinct everybody else has. <laughs> yeah, it's like when somebody's using a weed whacker or something. Like you trust that they know how to use the weed whacker correctly, but you're still probably not going to want to like have your eyes very near it no i mean you're, you're you definitely have your phone out definitely to call 911 <laughs> and not to videotape you and so mayhem yeah um, stuff happens yeah accidents happen you know <laughs> <laughs> so the figure that to open the gate they need to click their heels um I, I love this because they all do it they forget that oi is part of the kata and would necessarily need to participate in this Ed, eddie's line oh christ i left the world that i knew to watch a kid try to put booties on a fucked up weasel shoot me rolling before i breathe <laughs> but as all of them tap their heels together and i think as jake taps always heels together um a resounding harmonic rings a bell rings and the gates swing open to uh to a new kind of nightmare we said it a few moments ago this shouldn't work at all but it's cool yep it should be super cheesy. Um, yeah. It's definitely sold and their reactions to it at the very least. Like yeah. when they find this newspaper at the beginning of the chapter called the wizard, um, you know, and they say like, Oh, it's the Oz daily news. Uh, and it's full of gibberish. Like, Oh, you know, terrible things ahead. They find it. They say a picture of themselves on it. Uh, the back of it's blank. And they're like, um, should we be scared? And Roland says, I am incredibly scared. Is, <laughs> is that a sick Randall flag burn on Jake's poem? I mean, if you read it, it kind of looks like Jake's um, tower poem at the beginning, you know, like <laughs> really blah, does. blah, blah, blah. Bl- blame is a pain in a train, blah, blah, blah. Yep. <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. put that together. That is totally, that is totally <laughs> flag throwing shade at Jake. Absolutely. Uh, he's a fifth grader, man. <laughs> Especially with the, uh, the, the picture, because the, they describe the picture as being taken uh, almost as if it was taken right when they walked through the gate. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that just seems like, it, yeah, it just seems like that was one of. You know, Jake ripping out the Eiffel Tower, coloring it black and gluing it to his English report. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the newspapers here. I think one of the, the headlines with the tragedy in Oz, travelers arrive seeking fame and fortune, find death instead. Like, it's so funny. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so cheesy. It's like a, it's like something you would get after not like a like a haunted house you go to in your town, but like think like a, like a Disney haunted house. Like you take a picture at the beginning and then at the end you can pay for a souvenir for uh, a souvenir newspaper or like missing persons poster like, oh, they, they entered the house mm-hmm. and they never left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all i can picture now is the old-timey wild west pictures that your friends would go take places you know where you dress on like you put on all the like dusters and the women put on the dresses with the bustles and you hold the guns you know you get the the, old sepia photo mm -hmm. at the uh the dixie stampede in myrtle beach yeah (laughs) so if i create uh one of those like cardboard cutout things and it's just all the gunslinger stuff which which head hole are you gonna put your head through cole like out of the five of our content oh jane because it would look the funniest (laughs) <laughs> uh, because i'm definitely going oi personally so <laughs> I, I, I like the jake week is a big, big giant big giant hairy head on a tiny body like that that'd be fun yes perfect <laughs> look look at Autumn. me i'm wiz- i'm wizard's ball <laughs> <laughs> oh man um the nightmare continues too like jake jake for a moment questions as reality because they walk through the gates and they see that inside it looks like a cross between blaine's barony coach and also the silo layer of the grays and jake has a moment of like oh god we never left we're still here like all of that was for nothing 
the door has abandoned all hope ye who enter here man flag is a tacky motherfucker isn't he? I mean, he's landed on thick <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's super bad i love jake's um uh like kind of not nervous breakdown but his just like shaken to his core fear of blaine right here and getting because it makes sense for Jake to have this fear because everything that he went through in Lud and after that with Blaine is, I mean, again, remember he's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like at 10 years old, I was hiding behind the couch when my mom watched alien. Like it's, <laughs> I can't imagine going through some of the stuff that he's going through. So for him to have that, I'm actually still there reaction is really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Even um, Stephen King's kind of hamming it up, like um, with the other characters as well. Like when they were explaining what Wizard of Oz is to Roland, like the part where Jake explains everything, and then Roland goes, "It seems to me that maybe the characters had everything they wanted all along." Like, I- <laughs> so, so the treasure was friendship. <laughs> yeah, like I love how cheesy that is. Like yeah. Roland, and, 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 mm. and, the, and the cabin is teamwork. It's a metaphor, but there are sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just a, it's one of those things like wraps around, right? For me, it works. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they get into the throne room. Again, it's got all these, uh, you know, it's, it's got this kind of mashup kind of thing going to it. This throne, it's like 50 feet tall. It's made up of all these pipes. Um, and they see like a, appearing in the fog in front of it. Oh, it's Blaine's route map. And you think, oh, God, Blaine runs this place, too, doesn't he? And (laughs) his voice is booming out from the pipes. It's glowing just like the route map is. But, like, Flag, the person controlling this, uh, has no ability to commit to the bit. So he's he's got it, like, to a certain extent. Like, he will do the whole John Wayne kind of thing, and he knows some details. He knows some details from from their journey. But most of all, he just kind of, like taunts them and says hey you guys should probably now oh, this tower business is kind of lame isn't it i saw my parents searching for the tower uh it's, it's so not cool anymore my mom got on facebook and i was like yeah i'm on whatsapp now <laughs> yeah i uh th- this whole shtick is like I-, I can't decide if this is flag being ridiculous because he knows nothing he will say or do will, will stop this or if he actually genuinely thinks that this will work and i for just i mean for just my admiration of the character like for me wanting to be scared of this dude i have to imagine it's the former but for some reason there's a little part of me that thinks that he actually believes this might work with roland and his crew and i just I, I can't imagine why like why you would think that these these people had gone through all of this and would abandon it right here is Especially yeah. now that shit's getting crazy. Like, you just walk them into <laughs> Oz and you think they're going to turn away now? Ain't no way. <laughs> you just walk them into a, into a warm, cheerful relic of their shared childhood. Hey, but but by this point, um, if we are in this universe, by by this point in the stand, Flag's getting a little little nutty. Ah, true. True. But who knows if that's the same one, though, right? It could be a, <laughs> a different but similar level of the tower. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, I mean that's that that's King's out uh, for a lot of stuff, um, but yeah, <laughs> if we are we do read this as him flitting around and being real busy because Flag gets around in the stand as well. Um, <laughs> I I think that that Pennywise from It should maybe give my, give my dude some some notes here. You know, like man, like I, I love the way you opened up with the silly laughter and the the cheesy scene, but you gotta you gotta mention floating, you gotta yeah. show somebody a dead brother. You, you know, like you, you really need to punch it up a little bit. I mean, you you, you got to customize it. You have to make it something they really, really want. Yeah, it's got to be funny, 
but scary. Yeah. See, like, with Georgie, it wasn't just that, like, oh, he's got the, I've got balloons down here, and don't you like peanuts? Peanuts are your favorite, aren't they, Georgie? No. <laughs> Pennywise had the had the boat. George wanted the <laughs> boat because Bill was going to kill him if he came back without the boat. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Flag just has this lame, um, like, like a Wizard of Oz thing going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's familiar. <laughs> well, how about that, partner? Um, he's, got, he's got like a lame birthday party clown stick going, right? Like instead of an actual terrifying turtle clown stick, which is what he should be aiming for. <laughs> um, to your point, though, Jeremy, I, I think that, I mean, his his ultimate plan is to have TikTok kill them, is the, yeah. is the thing. Like, everything goes according to plan because Oi smells, the you know, the man behind the curtain. And, of course, we get the line, pay no mind to the man behind the curtain because that's the one part that Randall... And the Rand- Randall, we're on a first name basis. That's the one part that Flag uh, <laughs> commits to. Um, I-, I think that, like, if he is just fucking with them, trying to put them off their balance, so his mindless slave can come out and kill them all, then that would be a part of the that w- that would be that would fit in and still make him a character worth uh, maybe not being afraid of, but uh, being very wary of in like a Joker kind of situation. The the Randall flag we know he's he's not very good at picking out good tools trash can man TikTok man like he's not good at knowing when they're getting a little little worn out like I mean yeah. he he waits to use them until they're like uh, the you know little rotor rooters uh, that they found that took care of the the bears enemas in book three <laughs> yeah. the, the wastelands like he waits till they're yeah. they're having some major malfunctions they're they're one very parasite ridden bear and then he's like now's the time I'm gonna deploy you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he definitely should have uh used tiktok man uh and tiktok man's the one behind the behind the curtain there he's he's not the one who's talking as we are kind of led to believe for just a moment no tiktok man um not very much time has passed so it's a little bit believable that he would still be somewhat alive but he's got one eye and most of his scalp is hanging off of his head loosely um he was he was already not all together uh by the point we left him but uh uh, spending any amount of time with with flag would uh, definitely leave you leave you wanting so it's hilarious how quickly everybody's able to dispatch with tech doc man who is really set up to be like a bigger villain i think like i'll put this to i'll put this to both of you you know having read these mostly when they were coming out like <laughs> when when flag came in and took tiktok away did you expect that like he was going to be a factor for far longer than he ended up being no no. Okay. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I thought I thought he was when having read the stand, right? Like I thought this was going to be another trash can man. Yeah. And I, this was going to be some sort of long running partner of his, and some sort of agent of chaos or some agent of malice towards that Roland and his Gotet's plans. And just to have it like be like this is fine, it's perfect. Like it, it actually yeah. works better this way than I think it would having him be a reoccurring character for the rest of the books or anything. But uh, yeah, I definitely thought he was going to come up more than this. Yeah. And and I kind of thought that he was just like a little tin pot dictator of a crappy, tiny, dying kingdom that liked watches. So, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> particularly effective even when he was in his element, you know? <laughs> that is that is very true. He um, created a he, – he, he lifted a city bus in the sky and waited for Roland to walk under it so he could drop it on him. Like, I think that's pretty dope. He didn't do that personally. He had minions. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah, that's, it, that's it, even better. You try to get you try to get someone in South Louisiana to raise a bus up four stories and see how far you get. You know, Jeremy, you are being a wary pert cully right now. 
<laughs> influence is a kind of superpower, right? Like exactly. Yeah, TikTok was definitely described as having this kind of otherworldly charisma to him. Like he even oh, so his his charisma points were stacked high. Yeah, yeah. Like he he definitely he had a little bit more going on than most of the people around him. But it, it turns out that you're not quite so charismatic when half of your scalp is hanging off your head, huh? Yeah, you definitely take a penalty, I think, like a negative <laughs> ne- a negative two. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like they, they, they pull the curtain aside. Here comes Andrew Quick lunging after Jake, who freezes. Fortunately, there are three other capable gunslingers who just plug him with enough shells to put him down. So, so fell Lord Perth is, I think, the way they eulogize him or the way King eulogizes mm-hmm. him. Um, and now, you know, we see the real source of the voice. We see the person who's kind of the architect of this, uh, of this fun house. Um, Roland looks at the, at the throne and sees, oh, that's Martin Broadcloak. Um, and quickly we recognize, oh yeah, this is, this is flag. Uh, flag is Martin, um, is Walter is, is all of this. Right. And so Roland having his immediate instinct, just like it was back at the, uh, back at the waterfall, Back with the original Jake, um, he starts firing, and we get the line: "Only misfires against me, old fellow." Um, and yeah, he is here to hold court, to menace them, to dangle the glass in front of them, and to just kind of have his uh, have his moment uh, set up as the uh, as the as the main villain that we see for now. Do you think if they had all said, you know what, I, you're right, we're done. I think that we will definitely take take your offer of peace, the tower. We're probably never going to get there anyway. I, I mean, that that was a false offering. He would have still found a way to kill them. Or I mean, it, it, there were, I mean, kind of like with the the pieces of the wizard's rainbow, the the balls. It's not going to work out well for you when you're dealing with any of these agents. Oh yeah, just ask uh, ask Lloyd, ask Dana, um, mm-hmm. ask sure. any of those people. Yeah. There's a there's a moment when Martin Broadcloak appears and and Roland recognizes him and uh, I think it's Eddie that hands him and says Do you want this Roland mm-hmm. and it's you know it's Roland's gun it's his it's it's that old iron or whatever and uh, Roland just says after all these years after all these centuries mm-hmm. and I just that is one of the most cinematic moments I can think of like that could come, like if you if you think about a movie about the Dark Tower like Eddie handing him this if one of those existed if, if one of those existed. Yeah, if, if anybody was crazy enough to make a movie, continue. I'm uh, sorry, <laughs> but you can you can see this like the you know do you need this like with the you know Eddie holding it barrel uh, or you know handle first towards Roland and Roland grabbing it and kind of looking at it and like after all these centuries like almost dis in a, almost in disbelief from seeing this person that he has hated for hundreds and hundreds of years has caused him so much strife is. It's just really good. I, I really, really in, enjoy that particular kind of uh, passage, I guess. Yeah. But of course, it's all misfires. Click, a click, nothing. Sure. <laughs> Must get some of those wet slugs in there. Yeah. Oh, you should have been more careful. They're good for drowning out the thinny, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, should have melted down some silver dollars. <laughs> you can't kill a clown. You got to melt down some silver dollars. Yeah. Got to give up something. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Flag makes his offer saying, hey, all you need to do is just turn around and walk the other direction. Um, and out of either loyalty to Roland, curiosity about the tower itself, a sense of duty, or a complete distrust of Flag, none of them take him up on the offer. Um, and so Roland has this calculation. He thinks, okay, only misfires against him. Those were bullets of, of our world, of our shared world. Um, his magic will not have sway over something that is not from our world. So he tries to draw Jake's Ruger, 
Um, and <laughs> unfortunately, he draws it with his right hand, the one that is missing a bunch of fingers. He's too slow. And Flag knows this would have done him in. He knows this would have been too much. So he poof, smoke bombs out, dropping the ball behind him. Which is a very smart of Roland, but uh, it shows that uh, he is good at improvising, but not good at uh, uh, recognizing when his instinct might fail him, such as don't draw with your hand that is only half a hand. You know, he, at one point earlier, he he used that hand. Like, I, I highlighted specifically that he used that two-fingered hand to open that 30-foot door. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that that probably wouldn't be have been the hand that I led with. To, I mean, it, obviously, it opened very smoothly and a nice, easy, well-oiled WD-40 action. But <laughs> I wouldn't be like, okay, 30-foot door, time to whip out my two-fingered hand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just looking at it thinking, yeah, it's a two-fingered job. There you go. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, one of the reasons that he did that when he tried to draw with that that hand is seeing the the man who was kind of the architect of his becoming a gunslinger, all the problems with his mother and everything like that? Like yeah. it kind of took him back to that place at a time where he did have that full hand and that's why he drew with that hand? I could believe that. Yeah, same. I'm into that. Yeah. Just thinks, hey, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, uh, I don't shoot with my gun. I shoot with my hand. Oh God, not that hand. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's been thirty years. I've kind of forgotten the face of my father, literally. Yeah. <laughs> get a brown hair. He was like a tan area. Yeah, a tan area. <laughs> um, but yeah, the flag is gone. You know, almost as anticlimactically as uh, as 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 quick. You know, Flag knows uh, to run away and, you know, live, live live to fight. But the ball is behind. Do we have any uh, kind of final thoughts about Flag's appearance here? Because there's an awful lot of buildup. He's a huge character in the uh, in the in, in the cosmology, obviously. Um, in the skew, I think is what you're yeah, trying in, to look in, for. In the skew. Yeah. In the <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll I, just put it to you, put it to you too. I do. Uh, it's a, a little bit disappointing. And I was disappointed at the time. I mean, he's. He's the villain in The Stand, which is, I mean, one of the books that was was pretty important to me in the whole series, one of my favorite Stephen King books ever. And to see him kind of, I mean, he's he's weak, he's ineffectual, and he's not even, he's not even the guy. No, no. He's, he's an assistant, you know? <laughs> like, it's like, like finding out that you're your arch nemesis, or like when, you know, they always talk about people that are arguing with you on the internet or something, you build them up in your head. Like there's some kind of nemesis and they're just like somebody that doesn't even really care. Or, you know, like they're, they're not what you build them up to be. It's, yeah. it's kind of disappointing to see, see flag like this. I, I almost feel like he was kind of wasted or carelessly spent. Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. I, I agree. Totally with autumn. Uh, I, I can't really say much more past that. Like this, I, <clears throat> It's hard because there's so much, there's you know, <laughs> three other books yeah. and there's a bunch of side material we haven't talked about yet. So I'm trying to figure out the best way. So I think I'm just going to say, and look at that. I agree with all of them. So yes. That's, that's always served me well in the past. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's the, uh, it, it calls to mind the difference between the functional and the, um, the pleasing, right? Like the functional or, or the or, or the aesthetic, right? Like the thing that I would have wanted would be for this to, to 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 get a little bit more real estate, right? To it for it to be more of a climax. But the Wizard of Oz, which this is somewhat styled after, like its entire thing is that it's an anticlimax. 
<laughs> you know, like it is revealed that, oh, this person's just kind of a dipshit. Um, so it functions as this homage and as this kind of, uh, you know, as this story that follows in those steps. But it's 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 kind of not what I want. Like, I, I, I agree with you, too. I think that, you know, the stuff that comes later definitely does justify this for me because it's, this is not the last that we're going to see of a flag here and he is more of a mover and shaker but you know it's it's communicated pretty clearly he is sitting on the throne but his castle flies under somebody else's flag and i didn't say flag as like a uh no no pun intended right right (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so roland you know, recognizes, hey, I'm going to break this glass. There's a wonderful bit of poetry there. Like, oh, when I break this, we're going to, like, be drowned or swept away in all the tears that it's caused, right? Mm-hmm. A little maudlin, a little dramatic, but I can I can see it. It it, it works. It's poignant. Pungent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, Roland, Roland hides that emotional core that he has pretty well, but when it comes out, it, it usually comes out in, in kind of startling ways, such as really flowery poetry yeah. <laughs> about killing this, killing this horrible ball. Yeah. Um, but before he can do it, he can hear a voice and he determines that it's the voice of Ka. He recognizes it, but it is not attributable to anybody he, he knows. Um, and he can't destroy the glass because the story is still untold. He hasn't finished it and he can't just tell it. He has to show, he has to have all of them, not just look into the gap, into the glass, but to go into the glass for the chapter called the glass where we see what happens. Back in Gilead. But we already Poor, know what happens. <laughs> Don't we? Right? Oh. <laughs> uh, like, this is such a heartbreaker of a chapter. Oh, it's so... Would you want your three best friends to watch you at the lowest moment of your life? <laughs> you know, like going through the ball, like, hey, hey, guys, I'm come riding this ball and see literally the, the moment in my life that was so bad I couldn't even tell you about it earlier. Right. And think about the stuff that I told you earlier. Like, like the, Think about exactly how bad that was. Um, this is <laughs> this didn't get past the censors. <laughs> yeah, um, it sucks. And to, to, to say that this is a bigger heartbreak piled on top of, on top of all the other heartbreak and make <laughs> it's a. It's saying something. So Eddie, Susanna, and Jake, they appear in kind of this pink-tinted version of these upper Gilead palace apartments, right? Mm -hmm. Susanna has her legs because this is a magical other space. Um, And they're here to see not just the first glimpse that Roland gets of his mom, Gabrielle, you know, cheating with Martin. But then we fast forward to his after the return from from, from Magus. um, And Roland comes back. You know, obviously he's got his guns now. And they get the sense that he is walking into certain doom. And there's this terrible helplessness about this scene because they're trying to warn him. They are yelling at him saying, no, don't do this. Like, understand that he is walking into something awful, even without knowing the exact details. Um, and the one detail they do see is that there is some there's someone behind the curtains. Mm-hmm. It's Eddie here that um, tells, I believe it's Eddie that tells Jake, like, hey, we, we can't affect this at all. Like, obviously, we are, we are here just to watch. So let's let's follow the man and, 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 and do what we came here to do. Like, let's honor what we're supposed to be doing here, which yeah. I think is, is, hey, if we're, if we're going to have to watch this, like, let's 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 do the job. Like, he would want us to do the job well. Yeah. They're here to witness. Um, and Jake, very, like, kind of tragically understands he he has more insight into what is going on here than the others do 
um, because of his own particular, you know, background coming from an unhappy home. You know, he intuits that when Roland looked into the glass and saw the person who was supposed to kill his to kill his dad, he intuits that Roland saw his mom, that Gabrielle was the assassin, the one with the blade who was supposed to deliver the killing blow. There's a there's a there's a quote here that is just devastating. Jake has the unhappy wisdom of unhappy children and sees further. He sees further than the others. Um, and Roland is here to offer a chance to repent, saying like, hey, the deed is not done. You can throw that dagger in the sewer. It's not going to work out that well, but like, just stop this. Stop this madness and let's have whatever time we can have left. Repent, please. And that's why he's here. That's that's his mission, but it's it's really not to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I, even the people viewing are tricked by the glass. Like the glass, I mean, it just really shows how, even watching it as outsiders, they were all pretty confused by what Roland sees instead of his mother, you know? Yeah. So the blocking of this is pretty important. I'm going to describe it as best I can. Roland has walked into his mom's apartment. He's walked up to this kind of three-pane vanity, you know, like a three-mirror kind of thing so you can see the sides of your face. Uh, He has noticed that the glass, that the ball is on his mom's dresser nearby, right? It's like, oh, she had grabbed the ball so she could take it back to Martin, to take it, you know, back to Flag and Farson and all of that um, as, you know, further, further bounty, right? So he walks up. He's looking in the mirror. The apartment is dark. He sees a figure... Uh, shadowy figure coming up behind him. It looks like it's kind of holding something. Um, the ball flashes, lighting up the mirror, showing him that it is Rhea, you know, in her completely degraded state. Like she has no hair. Uh, her nose is completely eaten away. Um, and she is holding Ermot. She's holding a snake, you know, getting ready to uh, deliver a kill, you know, a, a killing shot to him, right? Mm-hmm. He turns around, fires four shots again with his damned gunslinger's hands. Um, plugging the figure four times before realizing that no, what he saw in the mirror was a trick of the, of the ball. Uh, it was not Rhea. Uh, you know, the, the, the coos was not nearby. Um, instead it was his mom walking up to him, uh, holding a belt that she had made when she was kind of away in this, uh, kind of re- <laughs> like a repentance retreat almost, uh, in Debaria. We're going to go there later on. Um, you know, giving it to him as a gift, you know, to kind of make amends. You know, that's what he figures. So he just turned around and shot at his mom, you know, four times as she was getting ready to give him a gift. And, you know, she dies, you know, falls to the floor. She dies smiling. Oh, there's a, there's a very specific line in there where he says, um, the, the truth of what he must carry with him for the rest of his life. He has used the guns of his father to kill his mother, which Uh is the, the most edible thing you can do in, Gilead, right? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Um, it's fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. And even though his mom was definitely carrying out this plan, um, there's a little bit of room for interpretation on that, but I fall on the side that, yeah, she was totally going to follow through with this, and she wanted to at least leave her son on happy terms, even if she was going to be, you know, escaping from Gilead, um, you know, to, 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 to find her new life elsewhere. Um yeah, it's still really, it's really heavy. tragic and fucked up. Yeah, it's 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 heavy. I uh, and to to have that happen, to come to that slow dawning realization, and then have Rhea just cackling in the background, like you shouldn't have killed my snake. I told you. <laughs> it's, it's so just, petty. 
Yes. I, I, I've made you a matricide, is what she says. Um, and then she turns. She recognizes. She senses the others in the ball and says, hey, guess what? Leave the tower. You'll shoot your eye out. Um, <laughs> and they say, no, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. Um, and Jake decides, hey, this needs to end. The only thing that's real in this in this world that we've been to is the ball. So he reaches for it to break it, and the ball disappears in this flash of light, ending the uh, ending the little uh, little scene that they've been sucked into. So let me ask you two: Do you think this is necessary for a Roland's character? Like, do you think this is something that? adds so much complexity to his character that it's it's worth kind of the emotional baggage and the long-winded way Stephen King got here? I, I do because mm-hmm. his entire motivation for becoming, a, for becoming a gunslinger was to kill the person that his mom was, you know, to go away with. You know, we just saw him failing to do that, you know, in the present day, right? And we go back to, you know, the the time when the bullet that would basically the bullet that was meant for, you know, the person who was breaking up, not just his, his family, but his kingdom, you know, the bullet that was meant for that person ends up going to the person who, you know, disappointed him and let him down, but ultimately, you know, adds to his body toll and sets up that Roland does, you know, kill the people that he loves, you know, that hasn't been already been clear enough from David on forward. Right. And I think that our conversation, we kind of um, skimmed past it. But there, there is a moment in this book where Roland's talking with his quartet when they're talking about, you know, do we want to just give up? And he says, I, I mean, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in my life that I feel like I could give up this quest. Like you guys have changed me. Things mm-hmm. are different. I mean, that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, guess, I guess you could make an argument that as a, a setup for that thing, I mean – him yeah. being willing to to relive this, share this uh, with his quartet, I, I guess you can make an argument that it's pretty necessary from that standpoint. Yeah, it's establishing the void that is kind of left with him after you know Susan dies and after after his mom dies and fast forward and any number of the others. Like he finally he finally gets full with the people that he's with now, you know, for the first time since he since he did kill his mom. Mm-hmm. It makes you understand the guy that just rolled up into Tull, shot everybody, and ate some hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think I think that um, and we're going to get to this in a minute when we talk about the, the aftermath of all of this. But in, in a lot of ways, this was Stephen King finding his own way back to the gunslinger yeah. and finding his own his own way back to the series after a pretty long departure. And in the in the afterward, he he says that, you know, scenes that in this in, in this book were written, you know, that were moments apart in, in the book were written 26 years apart in you know, in mm-hmm. real life. Um, and I feel like this is the kind of calcification of that like having Roland do this understanding why he was you said the void but I understand why he was so empty and Mm -hmm. why he was so emotionless like he had to be Mm -hmm. living with the fact that you killed your your mother when you were 14 years old Mm -hmm. and that especially right after you were somewhat partially responsible for the love of your life dying and getting you know crucified and burned in their town um right is is something that would shake anybody to their core. And then having that come into this moment and having to share that with his, his friends and his, what I would consider his family, like his quartet now, mm-hmm. and then ha- going on and still deciding to continue the quest. Like it's almost a, it's, it's almost a baptism of sorts, I think for, for Roland to have to go yeah. through all of this. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I was I was listening to a, a podcast the other day called um, Song Exploder, yeah. and there was a they were interviewing Nine Inch Nails for a, a new Nine Inch Nails track that came out, and Trent Reznor was talking about like how the song that he was written he had written was about his addiction and dealing with it, and he hadn't revisited that in a long time, and he and at the end of it he was like. I'm not really sure that I liked that I did that, mm-hmm. but I just know that I feel different now. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's probably how Roland feels with this. Like he probably didn't particularly enjoy this. And I think in a lot of ways he probably would have preferred not to do any of this, but now he can, he can continue forward. Like he can, he knows that he can do this with a, if you pardon the Friday night lights reference, a clear heart. Right. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely like a, like a re-racking or he is setting up a new, like a new contract, right? Like, I was the person who pulled you from your world. I was, you know, definitely someone like you were nobody to me. And I was, you know, not nobody to you. I was the person who, who basically took you away from, from everything you knew and loved. Right. Like that was different. You've changed. I have changed. It's important for you to know this, that it has to be out there because like, you know, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but like he gives them the opportunity. Like, Hey, if you want to, if you want to, to, to leave if having seen this now that you know what has made me who I am, you don't trust me as a, as, as, you know, as your den, as somebody you can travel alongside, like this is, this is your opportunity. Um, and it's important, like a detail that I missed there when Rhea was, you know, laughing at them, she didn't just say like, Hey, leave the, leave the quest for the tower. She couches it in not like a genuine concern, but saying like, Hey, you should probably ask Roland what happened to all the, to, to all the, all the other people that he traveled with. Like, Hey, what happened to Jamie to Curry? What happened to Cuthbert and Elaine? Like those people aren't around. He murders the people that he's with. And so that's kind of like, the, <laughs> those are, those are the two, the two things that they're keeping in their mind. You know, the, her interpretation of events saying like, yeah, this is, this is the way that shakes out versus, understanding the the shade and the circumstance behind what you know the shame that roland has carried with them you know this this entire time so like it is a moment of truth for them when they need to make this decision but they're insulted that roland would even ask i think i think you guys had touched on something before about this kind of being a journey for stephen king too i mean we we started off with an archetype and we've ended up at the end of this book with a a human you you know yeah because um, mm-hmm. even when we saw Roman's, Roland's mind being split and everything, that was situational. Um, it didn't really get to the emotional core. Because, I mean, who wouldn't be frazzled when their their whole mental timeline had split due to Jake's um, <laughs> right. death? <laughs> you know, I mean, this this really turns Roland into a fully realized character instead of a, a gunslinging, <laughs> a yeah. beige gunslinging area. Yeah, uh, with his with his colorless shirt and you know straightening the pictures and hotel rooms. They, they he calls back to that line as well. Um, you know, saying like, "Hey, this was this was part of what what makes him that person who you know who would straighten those straighten those pictures, right?" Um, yeah, and that archetype that we saw, he was he was sleepwalking, right? And we saw we saw it put him asleep. You know, we we, we saw it put him to sleep. You know, this is. You know, Susan dying and him holding onto the glass like he was in one kind of coma. The stuff after this, and we're going to have more adventures of young Roland, um, <laughs> you know, in the comics and in the Wind Through the Keyhole. Uh, we're going to have more of that. But, like, that puts him into a different kind of coma, one that he's just not waking up from. It's a good point. And it feels like, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far ahead, but this is a, this is a moment of change for Roland going um, forward, too. 
like this in the rest of the books he's not just going to be that that archetype that that mindless killing machine with one purpose and for for better or worse right because i have i have some issues with roland in the last three books in the last three books yeah and uh, i hadn't really i hadn't delved into it quite this much before um and just you know reading and everything so i'm kind of going off the cuff a little bit but talking to you two about this makes me like the Roland in those books that I was having issues with when I, when I reread them just recently mm-hmm. more, like I, I feel more, I feel that that's more justified now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to getting back and rereading those books again with this kind of stuff in mind. I know I'm jumping ahead of a little bit. I know we have a whole other chapter we need to get through, so I'm sorry. No, I'll, no, I'll, it's I'll, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is like, I feel like it's, it works in a lot of different ways and it's, it's just, it's just, it makes me like Roland finally. Like I always kind of appreciated Roland as a, as a character, as a, as, as, as an archetype, which is the good word, but I, you don't really like him as a person and it, cause you don't really understand him. You had no idea who he was, where he was coming from or why, why he was acting the way he does. Yeah. And to see that roll around and to finally have this truth about himself revealed. Um, Stephen King does this trick again. And, um, I think it's Doctor Sleep, yeah, which was the sequel of the Sh- to The Shining, mm-hmm. and he, but he he does the opposite thing, which was where the the big reveal at the end and is is a very minor thing, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it works both ways for me equally as well. Yeah, so, yeah, into it. Yeah, he's definitely you know, Roland is going to be more more willing to connect from this point forward and be more be more vulnerable, um, and that is scary you know for him imagining him as a person right like that is still a risk to make those connections and to share those bonds and get invested in other people and you know understand that like oh i i I don't want to let them down right that gives them something Mm -hmm. to lose and you know without looking too far ahead like that is something that's going to happen like the like just we are we are building up and seeing what happens before he's stripped again and you know the way he has changed fundamentally through that process So they wake up. This is a chapter <laughs> called The Path of the Beam. Uh, they wake up 30 miles away from the palace in this clearing of winter grass. Their shoes are no longer lustrous ruby red, but kind of dull and mottled. And they look like they've uh, uh, been through some, you know, they're a little worse for the wear. They have no idea how they got where they're at, but they can see the trail of uh, Susanna's wheelchair, like through the grass. So I don't know if they were in a fugue state or what. I think it's Eddie who unintentionally quotes the movie like as they're trying to figure out okay where are we he says i don't think we're in kansas anymore <laughs> yeah that's that's jake says that and eddie looks at him real sharply like are you are you fucking with me oh okay no you're not you're just real sleepy yeah that's what you're doing okay, like good. like like now is not the time like literally like we were in topeka uh i have no idea if this loss in time has brought us into roland's world or not it is a valid question it is a valid statement but it is also straight up a quote from that movie I like to think in my head that it's one of those um, like hammy setups, like Flag has gassed them all and then individually dragged them out and arranged them, you know, just to be extra spooky. <laughs> like, like a tableau vivant. Exactly. When, when they wake up, they are going to freak out. <laughs> just written... Oi, Oi has one of his paws in like some warm water. <laughs> yeah, all, all of them have dicks drawn yeah. on, their, on their foreheads and cheeks. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who did the dicks? It's Randall Flag. <laughs> <laughs> Shut 
Shiver. Known dick drawer, Randall. Known dick drawer. Serial yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dick drawer. So, uh, Roland is obviously devastated by having relived this because uh, it's worth saying that even though all of the rest of the quartet was kind of in their current bodies, you know, give or take a leg or two, uh, Roland in that was um, back to his young self walking through that unable to change anything um like that's not that's not explicitly stated but like he's there he's devastated by having seen that um and he was also wearing the 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 boots without even realizing it you know and eddie tries to like reassure him you know saying like hey you can't you can't feel responsible for what you did you know and roland says oh that's that was too easy you know like rio wasn't there like it's it's not good enough for us to you know it's not good enough for me to blame that um, you know, and Eddie says like, no, it's, it's Ka who did it. And Roland doesn't accept that because yeah, it's a bit of a weak answer. I'm happy Roland didn't say like, oh boy, Ka definitely took that away from me. Um, my burden yeah, is lifted. <laughs> um, so they sit down, they have a lunch of some vending machine foods, some cheese and crackers, some Keebler's cookies washed down with some Nozzle. <laughs> <laughs> really hits the spot. Yeah. Um, and they find the prop paper. Uh, you know, the one with their picture on it and all the blah, 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 planes of pain stuff uh, with a note from RF saying like, hey, it's not going to be so easy next time. See you in Thunderclap, lol. Uh, and he draws his smiley faces, signs it RF and also draws the symbol for a Thunderclap at the bottom. He totally roofied him and then arranged everything. Oh, yeah. It probably, probably took him two and a half hours to do it. Yeah. <laughs> he's 30 miles away. I think it took him longer than two and a half hours. Oh, he's got doors. <laughs> he's got doors. <laughs> I do like the idea of uh, Randall Flagg going lol because I just imagine him instead of just using these smiley faces like him discovering um, emojis in 2017 <laughs> <laughs> and just using like the thinking face emoji like are you going to give up the tower thinking face emoji maybe not surfboard guy <laughs> please examine this amazing spell I write slash shrug and it turns into Japanese characters that look like a shrugging man which burn him <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> this is the chance where roland gives you know he gives them the opportunity like hey you, you guys can leave if you want and they're like no fuck you why would you even say that we're in it for the long haul um and roland's line here which we alluded to but i have it written verbatim so we might as well say it because it's particularly kind of devastating and also heartwarming for the first time since i turned around in a dark room and killed my mother i may have found something more important than the tower leave it at that <laughs> and at that leave it at that i am definitely um uh, this is part of my experience sometimes you end something with leave, with a leave it at that because if you say any more you're going to cry and that's going to be inconvenient and uncomfortable for everybody see it'd be nice if roland could have just put on that scene from the movie ghost um and it would just be rolling with his arms wrapped around the whole quartet while they're making a pot mm. you know and this is our friendship pot yeah exactly yeah. That's how I feel about you guys. <laughs> um, but all of that, all of that uh, character development that we talked about and opined on can be summed up by this one thing. They're talking about the nature of Ka, you know, saying like, who's responsible for what we're doing, who, you know, for what we did. And Roland, you know, at one point says, instead of saying Ka, he says, Kaka, calling back to Eddie's jokes from book two. And here's a line. The three of them stared at him. Mouth is open. Roland of Gilead had made a joke. <laughs> I love that. I love that. 
I mean, he's almost unrecognizable at this point, isn't he? Yeah. Who is, who is this? Yeah, this jokester. Is, is Randall Flagg? Who is this man? Is Flag riding around in your head up there? Is he part of your noggin? Exactly. Yeah. Look at patio furniture over here. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a little bit more accounting for the story. They don't really know why Gabrielle was hiding. Uh, Roland's you know, kind of like says, Oh, maybe she was ashamed. Um, <laughs> uh, she wanted to give me the belt. Uh, there's some stuff that we, um, that, that, that is brought up. And I just did some research to see if it ever is addressed in other like side stories or comics or stuff. So the belt that his mom was giving him that was stained with her blood as she died, he wore it. Um, and he wore it for several years, uh, in, in, in that state as kind of a reminder of her, uh, and his losing it was a tale for another day. Uh, that is not addressed anywhere else. Um, also, Roland mentions, you know, they talked about like, oh, maybe Rhea took the ball because the ball was gone after he killed Gabrielle. He says, oh, I've I've seen Rhea again, and he left it at that. Um, so it's implied that Roland killed Rhea, but so far we have not gotten that story. Interesting. Yeah. Well. And then the book ends with them back on the path of the bean. They see the clouds um, moving uh, as though they're on a conveyor belt, they see the uh, the subtle parting of the grain, and they say, "Hey, let's uh, make use of this daylight because we got a tower to save." And that's the end. What a what a perfectly fitting ending. And uh, I won't belabor the points that we made, you know, after talking about Roland's journey and Stephen King's journey and how they kind of overlap throughout this book and having to go back into the past to figure out where to go in the future and anything like that. But just, you know, your, your heroes walk into the sunset, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you're just, you're, they're on their path. They're back on the path of the beam. It feels like Stephen King is back, back on the path of the beam in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and as we're going to see, like in the next few years, he's, he's going to kick these next three books out pretty quick. Uh, I know we're not, I know the podcast isn't going to be covering that, quite so fast but like those those books are going to come out fairly soon and then and it's it's just I, I remember being vaguely dissatisfied when i read this the first time because i wanted so much more of the journey to the tower mm-hmm. and, I, well, and i just wasn't patient enough for the, all of the flashbacks yeah i mean it's i mean also i mean it's kind of boring it's all uphill from here everything goes great um no more problems <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. just the next yeah, three books good. are just you know <laughs> get into that tower. They get there. Everything's perfect. It's amazing. The end. <laughs> uh, it's nothing but uh, n- n- nothing but root beer and stories. Um, yeah, it's all it's all nozzle and sunshine. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, this is the cleanest break that we've gotten so far, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. not an awful lot that's left undone. Like, okay, flag is still out there, but they have this new agreement. They have this refreshed purpose. Each of them has a deeper understanding, maybe not so much of each other, but definitely of Roland, of the person that they are, you know, gathered around, right? Like, I definitely think of each other, though. I yeah. definitely think of each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think that goes hand in hand. Like, they they are leaving this for the first time. They've they've considered themselves Atet up until this point, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they were ever truly the the five of them counting away were ever truly caught Ted until they were walking down the path of the beam towards, you know, thunderclap. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So the entire road is ahead of them. We're not done with flashbacks yet. We have a whole season coming up of more adventures of young Roland. Um, I want to give you two opportunities to 
give your sum ups on your feelings about either the section or the book, whatever, whatever feels appropriate. Autumn, let's start with you. Um, obviously, I jumped on right for the beginning and right for the end. Um, that, I think that was the first thing that I went to um, when I was kind of kind of signing up for a slot. I, I I really love this. I love that this story is bookended by by these two parts. Uh, I think that the the story um, in there. I mean, I I think I've been transparent before. Some of the parts with the coffin hunters um, dragged a little bit for me from a story standpoint. I, I love that story of young love. I I mean, this is a this is a solid book, and I mean, you you certainly can't complain as a fan about the 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 length breadth and depth of it i mean it's 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 a solid book it's a long journey um i i i really enjoyed it you know i i came out and said that my my absolute favorite book in the series was the the wastelands but i mean that this one's great and i have to say i'm really excited for where we're going next i'm actually a big wolves of the califan same jeremy yeah i uh when we started this um I, and I've, I've talked about it during this season on this book, um, not being the hugest fan of the flashback of being impatient about it. Um, and then going back and revisiting and, and coming to appreciate it, but still feeling like most of it is almost entirely skippable when you reread the series. Uh, and I, I still feel like this is too long. I think a lot of Steve is just too long. He just kind of revels in his own stories sometimes too much. Yeah. Um, especially for how much work he puts in, in the last five ch- chapters. And, like, We've been recording for close to two hours now in the last five chapters, which it took me 30 minutes, maybe 45 <laughs> minutes to read. Like, and how, like, I wish we could have more of that and, and less of the 900 pages worth of counting nets and, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I, you know, this, I, you definitely can't skip this, right? Like, I think if, even on a reread of, of an experienced reader who's going back through and just trying to relive the story again, like, I think you have to go through all of this to understand why Roland is who he is as he goes into the, the end game in the last three books. And yeah, I'm, I'm very glad. And, and thank you, Cole. I'm very glad to get the opportunity to talk about this in detail. Um, one thing that doing stuff on podcast taught me is that it gives you way more of appreciation of whatever you're podcasting about. And that's definitely true for these books. So thank you for that. And I'm, I'm very much having reread Wolves of the Cala recently I like that book way more now than I did on my original reread. So I'm Absolutely. pretty excited to talk about it. Yeah. Well, uh, and also the comic, I've never read any of this uh, comic stuff. Like the only comics I ever started trying to read were the uh, retelling of wizards and glass. And I was like, this is garbage. Why would I read this when I can read the book? <laughs> it's very bad. Is <laughs> so I'm, very... I'm, I'm looking good. Good. Oh no. I was going to say it's, it's very bad. It was a very bad foot for them to start on. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we've got a fun interlude coming up too with the, uh, the wind and the keyhole. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I love so, that such a so good story. Much. Yeah, well, um, you thank me. That's ridiculous. I want to thank both of you and everybody else who's who has been on this season. I, I don't feel like I, it would, I don't feel like it'd be appropriate to sum everything up. I think people people know how I feel about this. Um, great villains, I think, would be the way that I would kind of take away from this. Like, this is a book that is chock a block with more stuff with Blaine, with Rhea, with uh, um, with Jonas and uh, Cordelia, even. Um, just so many great people you love to hate, right? And that's that's what I want to leave this with. But no more, no more. Thank you so much for uh, for for coming on, um, Autumn. Where can people find you online? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mrs. Greer. That's M-I-S-S-U-S Greer. Um, I was also recently on an episode of the Laser Discotech podcast talking about Stephen King's The Running Man, uh, the film. Uh, and also, I believe that they've done some some other Stephen King movies like Creep shows since then. Oh, nice. uh, Jeremy, Jeremy's been on there with Levi and Amelie, too. It's a, it's a fun podcast where they're um, going through and watching uh, old laser discs of movies. They're only watching them in that format. Uh, they're they're a hoot. Uh, I know um, Levi's a duck feed guide, too. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. you can find me there. Yeah, that's uh, Laser Discotech is what it's called? La- laser Discotech. Nice. Yeah, I want to I wanna hear the one about Creep Show. I'll drop you a link to that. Cool, it's it's really good. I, I did the uh, Get Shorty episode because I really like Get Shorty, and oh, yeah. it's yeah, that's a that's a fun podcast to do. So nice, uh, Jeremy. Where can people find you? Uh, I have a t- Twitter. It's at JG Greer. Uh, you can find all of my various projects there. Uh, I want to plug. Most people know the stuff that I usually do. Um, I just came out with an episode of I was a guest on Sound of Play, which I think you've guested on, right? Cool. Yeah, we did one of their uh, Halloween specials. Uh, it's a it's a fun podcast about video game Jack Garrity talk about I think like ten tracks close to ten tracks mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was a really fun challenge where when Josh uh, <laughs> he DM'd me and he was like pick five tracks and they can't be all from the same game so I just couldn't do near automata which is what I wanted to do <laughs> yeah. um, but I tried to pick I tried to make it like a mini game of the year list because I don't really believe in game of the year list so I, I tried to do it kind of a mini that kind of thing and pick five of my favorite tracks over the last year or two and it was just a blast to do so go check it out i think it's episode 128 uh it's on my twitter feed and then yeah all, all my other podcast stuff is just on my twitter at jg greer yeah so the sound of play laser discotheque um yeah i i've listened to one i've not listened to the other but i'm curious about the other um yeah amelie and amelie and levi are great like they're nice. they're good people and i know i know levi is a big duck food supporter so yeah yeah um, so me, you can find me at Cole Ross. That's K O L E R O S S on Twitter. You can also hear me on other duck feed podcasts. Um, you know, you know, those, you can go find those. I don't, you really don't need to tell you about those. Um, but I stream as well. I do streaming, um, at, uh, twitch.tv slash duck TV, primarily doing, um, horror video games on, uh, Friday and Saturday nights. If you want to come along and watch those, I have a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, that is of particular interest to people listening to something about Stephen King. Cool. Autumn has set up Twitch on her phone specifically so she can chat with you and the uh, other Duckfeed people and, on your streams. So oh, nice. I just want you to know that she, she went through all of that trouble to do that. <laughs> well, I appreciate <laughs> that. It's so fun. Like it's uh, it it is fun to uh, to kind of ch- to, to chat with people and hang out. It's uh, yeah, streaming is a uh, uh, it's it's a great deal, great deal of fun. And Twitch and Twitch has finally gotten smart so that you have a chat only mode on your phone, so we can put it on the TV and then you can just open up the app on your phone and just chat when you want. Oh, cool! So it's it's really really nice that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really cool. Yeah. So come on out. Be an, be be like Autumn. <laughs> yeah. Be like Autumn, and not just that. In every way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, I'm I'm just there to hang out with Allison and my. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't while, while, we, while we talk about what you're doing. Oh, you don't even have to do that. It's fine. <laughs> um. Yeah. So thanks to the two of you. Thanks to everybody else who has been on this season. Um. And thanks to everybody for listening. And until next time long days and pleasant nights.